Can you fucking hear this? Can you? Preston, fuck. I might leave this in though. <laughs> Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Preston M. Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm Preston M. Smith, at PMS Artwork Everywhere on internet land and socials. I want to thank you for landing on this podcast. Whether you're a professional artist, just getting started in the art world, a collector of art, or just consider yourself a creative person, this podcast has something for you. I like to think of it as a fun way to rant and talk to other creative people about living the life of an artist, surviving and getting ahead in the art world, and enjoying your life. But most importantly, not waiting until you're dead to make it happen. All right, let's get started. We're talking art with Preston. <laughs> I knew, uh, I knew Here jingle. Here we are, talking art. Jingle by Preston. Scott Meskill. <laughs> oh, here we go. All right, awesome. We're here. Well, thanks for making the drive up, man. No problem. In man. the heat. Excited. Braving yeah. the fire, braving the, the heat. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on out there. <laughs> it's crazy, man. That's, I wanted to ask you about that real quick because I, as much as I don't like to talk about like politics and what's yeah. going on in the world, it's, it's so ever-present right now and ubiquitous. Yeah. That, like For me, yesterday I almost had a little breakdown. I was like, am I posting enough about it? Should I be talking about it? Right. Right, especially with the protests and stuff. It's yes. like, uh, and we're all on edge as to where we stand and proving where we stand and, exactly. and are we being watched? And, and now we know that silence is, is bad, you know, like you're like, oh, okay, so I can't be silent. Right. I can't say the wrong thing. I need to say the right thing. And, and, and it's just confusing as hell, but still as humans, you know, we, we got to be good people and, and, yes. and hope that the people around us feel that energy. I, I think there's so much related to, just your presence and, and how you handle yourself publicly and, um, and just goddamn do your best, you know? That's true. I always find that people respond more by you leading by example than by like cramming it down their throat. Yeah. By the way, if anybody's listening to this in the future, we're talking about George Floyd, right. the uh, murder of George Floyd and the aftermath of all that. It's just been, it's just been going on for weeks now. And it's um, I'm really happy it's happening. The protesting that is, um, at the same time, I kind of feel like, fuck, do we still live in an era where this is happening? Yeah. Like I grew up on, I was a basketball player. I grew up on like black culture and athletes and hip hop and like yeah. black movies. And I was like, and just to see this level of racism still in the world is fucking crazy, man. Yeah. So I was born in Detroit and then grew right. up, grew up in Florida. So some serious racism across the board. And then when I had a choice, I moved to LA and, uh, and easily saw the difference, uh, immediately, um, just in the way people treat each other. Right. And, and so growing up in Florida, you know, uh, there wasn't a, a large black community. Wait, so wait, you were Florida and then Detroit? No, born in Detroit. And then until I was like 10 and then, okay. and then moved to Florida and, and stayed there until I was like 20, um, 28, I think. Okay. 29 when I came to LA. Um, but the difference between how I grew up in my school and, and, 
And it's like, you, there would be a lot of people that would say, oh, we didn't have a racist problem, but we also didn't have a lot of black culture right. there at all. It's easy to not have a racism yeah. problem when you don't have any. So yeah. my son, like, he's growing up um, in a totally different world and, and where he's actually a minority, you know, in L.A., and he doesn't know the difference, dude. I see his friends show up, and it's just a complete mixed bag. Yeah. And uh, and and it's interesting seeing their perspective on this current state of stuff, too. You oh, know? I'm sure. I'm sure it's completely different from parts of the country. Yeah. And, and maybe that's why we're actually up to a level where we can protest, is the younger generation is like, mm, fuck this, man. Yeah, exactly. You old people might not say anything about it or say there's not a problem, but right. uh, there is, and here's here's why. So. I'm in full support of what's going on. I, Me too. I, I don't know how to support it because also, again, when we're talking about the COVID, you're like, well, that doesn't necessarily go with the plan, but what's more important. Right. Exactly. Well, it, and also just to kind of further that it's crazy that we're dealing with COVID and then we're dealing with this yeah. and you got all these protests in the street. So you got people within inches of each other, rubbing up against each other, talking to, yeah. I mean, uh, talking to each other and, and touching each other. And, I just think it's fucking, I mean, it's brave to be yeah. doing it right now. Yeah. It's also a little scary. Yeah. We're going to find out. We were talking about this one on your way in. If we're going to find out if there's some spikes, but um, I'm just, overall, I'm glad it's happening and, and it, I, I support it, man. Totally needs to happen. And, yeah. and yeah, yeah, that's all. I, yeah. I don't know. What that's it. We, have, we don't need to talk about you. I just, it was well, like, but, but it does. So it leads into um, our artistic practice and where does that fall into this whole state of mind? Yes. Because, because I mean, I'm sure you and, and most everybody I know is suffering from some form of depression and, and I, I didn't experience it like this before. Like I've never experienced chest pains and it's like, why is my chest hurt? You know? Right. And then, so how does your art play into all of that? And should I be doing this? Is this important? You know, and having to have that conversation with yourself on a daily basis, like, Oh, this doesn't matter. Just as you know, sometimes like getting to the really deep gritty work, um, takes being in a certain state of mind to be able to do it. And it when does. you're just completely distracted by things that are extremely important, it doesn't always feel that way, you know? So it's yeah. good to have these conversations with other artists and say, hey, why are you still doing it? Or should we? And 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 have people remind you that art, you know, is the one thing that has truly, hopefully, existed, you know, throughout mankind. As long as we've been humans, we've been creating. And and there's also in the control for power. Um, people have always tried to destroy art in in that control of power. So there's a voice in there that's that's pretty solid and pretty important. It's one of those things where it's hard enough to create, like, I think of your stuff as, I respond to your stuff because it reminds me of my old stuff too. Oh, there's like an existential angst yeah. to your work, which is more relevant than ever now. I think so, yeah. But, but also, like, you're right. It's It takes a lot of, I don't know, it takes a... I don't know why gumption came to mind. I'm going to, I'm going to go back. To, shit. Yeah. I'm going to dig that one out. It takes a lot of gumption. Oh, gumption. Kid. Uh, no, you got, you, you got, got real chutzpah there. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, it takes a lot of um, digging to, to kind of pull that work out of you already. And then when you're already feeling this existential dread from what's going on in the world, yeah. it's like piling on top of you. But I would argue that that makes it even more important to do it. Totally. It's just the part, it's the part that's getting started it's difficult. You got to dig through it. And so yeah. like interesting on that level, I was watching a documentary um, on Gogan, you know, yeah. and when he went to Tahiti and, and the way they frame it up and it's like, ultimately like his whole family said, Hey, we can't support you on this. That's a bad idea. We're not going, but 
he had this super strong desire like, to I'm see Gauguin. some type of real, <laughs> but to see some type of real life and capture it and recreate it in a way that that no one else did. And it was so important to him that people are willing to die for that. That, And I was like, wow, I, I don't know if I work that hard for my art, right. but, but I respect and appreciate like that. There's an importance in doing that, you know? Yeah. Digging, you know, the digging. And that's what I tell everybody. Like, we're doing the new critique rounds and stuff too, you know, with those yes. guys. And, and my comments are, you know, like if anything, cause, because I'm not going into it. Like, I don't want, I'm not going in. I don't want to be handheld. Like you tell me what sucks about this or what would make this better. And so I kind of try to treat it the same way. And, and, and so I look at some stuff, it's hard to critique abstract work, you know, it's very hard, but, but sometimes you can look at it and say, did you dig? Did you dig? Like, I, I want to see the blood, sweat and tears. I want to see your indecisions and your struggle. Cause I respect the shit out of that when I see it, you know, yeah. I'm like, Oh you hated that for a day, you yes. know, and it's like you can see then, the working through period. Yeah, yeah the process. Yeah, I love I, that. I like that struggle. But anyway. sometimes too, um, there's like a part where the artists push through to the other side of like simplicity. Mm. It's almost like they've done, they've done that work. They've done that kind of angsty existential work for many years, and then sometimes it's honing that down to simplicity. Like you see that with Matisse when he's older. You uh, see with a lot yeah. of masters. I'm not saying that that. For the critique group, we're all still, you know, evolving sure. and learning. But it's interesting to watch that as it kind of gets to the final stages of progression, where it is just simplicity of line and oh, color. Be beautiful, yeah, yeah. If I could let something go, I would. One of, one of my, the new things I'm kind of struggling with and, and enjoying at the same time is just just transparency, general transparency. Like you realize, uh, you know, whether you're doing acrylics or oils, it's like a lot of that transparent value. Is right in the beginning, right? So, yeah. it, and if you don't nail it, then you just start going over it, which is what I normally do anyway. But, but there's something that happens like immediately if you're in the right zone. That transparent kind of um, character figures or, or color and tone that you can't recreate, and if you try to change it, you you, you lose it. Yeah, for sure. And so it's it's that transparency is there for a brief moment, and I, I I really like that. But it's I'm not very patient with my work, so I have a hard time retaining that interesting you know yeah it's well i think that's the struggle in general as you get better and better is learning to turn off the inner critic while you're trusting the flow a little bit oh yeah and it's, it's like they're always butting heads right. you have that moment where an hour is gone and you did something and you're like oh my god i don't remember doing this yeah and then you have the moment where the critic comes back in it's like oh shit i don't remember doing this we gotta fix this we gotta fix this you know yeah um for me i always feel like the best stuff i've ever done when i look back on it, i can't even remember creating it it's not like, oh, you know, I, I'm not saying that like no. touched by God or something, but it's just, you are, you're in the zone. You're, you're so in that lost flow in state. the process. Yeah. The flow state. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. By the way, in this, in the, uh, in the same vein of transparency, um, we're filming this for YouTube a little bit, so I'm going to go turn off the camera, but as I'm doing that, I want you to talk about something. So how has everything right now, how has COVID uh, you don't have to talk about George Floyd anymore, but, um, yeah. how has what's been going on in the world right now affected your art? Okay. So, I mean, clearly my first reaction was like, wow, my art is actually timely now, you know, where it was like these dark, deep feeling, um, type stuff. And how has it affected? It, it's really, it, the most is affected has really affected my insecurity and in, in what I'm doing and my purpose and 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 the way you know like I'm having a harder time reaching those states of mind that is necessary and plus I would do like two days in the studio and then two days locked at home my studio I'm pretty isolated so I 
you know, I felt it was okay to be there and take precautions. Um, but, but then I was leaving family members at home that might be alone and trying to struggle and figure this out. And that was on my mind. So, so normally, you know, I'm at the studio every single day I can possibly manage, but in this kind of world, I was like, let me just check on the people at home and make sure they're okay, you know, and, and they know I'm here and I'm going through the same things. I'm not just disappearing in the beginning. I really questioned myself. I could just disappear and go to the studio and, um, and, and just get lost. Like nothing's changed. And I felt that that wasn't very genuine either, um, or respectful to the process and the time. So, so it's definitely changed some stuff. I'm starting to get back into my routine a little bit, you know, but, um, still weary because of the, the just complete confusion. Every day there's a new level of confusion as to what am I supposed to be doing? Right. Know? And and it does what I'm doing matter. Like what, in the yeah. face of this, yeah. I mean, on a global scale, the stuff yeah. like does my little shit that I'm creating in my little corner of the city matter? I would argue more, but it's hard to see that. It's hard to see it. But, yeah. but so surrounding myself with like-minded people and people that have been um, in the art world longer than me um, and, and really just reaching out for their advice, like, you know, and they've weathered through stuff, the depression. The first thing I did when this whole thing started was I read that Seventh Street Women book. God, I still got to read that, man. It's like 700 pages. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not a reader. All the best art books are. I- Anybody who tells you, like, I'm uh, almost, uh, <laughs> I'm a terrible reader. Like, I just fall asleep right away. And <laughs> that one pulled me in. And, nice. and I was like, let me make it a goal to finish this book. And I had all the time. So, so I think that's a really good foundation to see what they went through, the levels levels of poverty and the levels yes. of um, of dedication to that. No matter what was happening in their life, you know, and also being women. Well, I mean, th- th- this revolved around that whole world, but yes, obviously women. Yeah. You know, uh, in that, it, it's definitely a better perspective. We've heard the perspective of men from that generation, sure. and and um, it was really good to see their struggles. Because it has Krasner, they were, right? Krasner's oh yeah, in they it were all and, badass. Oh my god! Know? Yeah, yeah. And of course, they were over overshadowed by the men. At the, well, some of them were. They were. They were. Krasner but, basically took a back seat. Like one of my favorite eight hundred right. page books is is the Jackson Pollock book I got up there. Yeah, and the Kooning from the same era. I love that era. Yeah, as being an artist, but um, but I I'm excited to read it from a female's perspective. It's really good, dude. It's really good. And and the times and one of the things I pulled out of this and me and um my friend were talking about this the other day. They, Back in those days, like after the war, they had a um, a government program that uh, that employed artists yeah. basically, and that's how they all yeah. survived. Off that's of how this. they flourished. Yeah, and but they contributed to society within that process. They weren't just it's like let them ha- give them a job, you know. And it's like wow. Well, they were being valued. They were showing cool, value, you know, for being an artist. Rather than this current administration defunding arts programs, it's like. All right, let's let's put some money in and, yep. and see what happens and watch it flourish. When you can argue that that was the, the era that kind of put the United States or American at least abstract art movement on the map, it was because of all all those guys were and, and women, all those people were yeah. working um, yeah. and and employed by the government. And how about having that validation right from an outside source such as like the government? We yeah. are we always str- struggle to get validation from our parents. From right. our peers, from ourselves, yeah. The government, forget about it. So having an era where the government was fostering that is you, amazing. You got to imagine some good art would come from that, you right? Know? And it did. The thing is, it's a it's a different world, and and uh, and there's so many artists, right? And there's so many good artists these days. Like yes. we we're, were talking about it because I hang out with some of the guys that are kind of old school Venice artists back in the day when the Ferris Gallery and different shit was like happening. Mm-hmm. And these guys knew each other. Like there was a hundred artists, and they all knew each other. Yeah, you know. 
Now there's a million artists in, in LA, easily, if not five million. You know, yeah. half the it seems like half the population of LA is a, an artist and some extremely talented. So yeah, so it makes all of it a little more challenging. You it know? does, and we're also separated in our different groups, like our different areas of the city. Uh, yeah. There's like Silver Lake, you know, and then there's downtown, and then yeah. there's La Cienega, um, and uh, yeah, it's it also you throw into the mix like Instagram. And all the artists around the world. I get bothered because some of the artists that I see online nowadays, I'm like, because I've heard of this happening and I've seen it happening. Some oh. of them are not artists. There are a few people that are just like posing as artists. They're posing, they're putting other work on there. Like oh. I'm an artist or, or let's say great. you've got an artist who've created two pieces and they're competing with you now and they can actually compete with you. It's, it's good. Yeah. And it's also bad at the same time. I like it because it gives us, it gives us like a new audience that we didn't have before. Like we don't have to have, the gallery system a hundred percent to make a living anymore. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. And you know, the gallery system's failing a lot of people. You yeah, know, I mean, I, even the people I know that are getting some bigger and better shows when I hear, well, what the gallery do for you, you know? And I'm like, right. God damn, they didn't do shit. You know, they, they expected you to bring the crowd and you to do the promotion. And it's the same and as like books nowadays. Yeah. Like if you're going to, if you're trying to publish now, they yeah. won't even look at you. I tried to publish a, a couple books in the past and it was like, Show us you have an audience first. Show us how many sales you yeah, made on your yeah, own, yeah. and then we'll look at you. Isn't that it's convenient? The same thing. Isn't that convenient? Yeah, exactly. Uh, show me that you make a lot of money already, and then I will make money from you. Which and we I, want, like, kid, is we want you to do the legwork. Yeah. We'll sit back and reap all the benefits. Uh, that. And, then, and then again, that's why I admire what you're doing, and I watch what you're doing, and and, and it, it's working for you, it seems like. You it's know? working. I, I hope it keeps working. Um, I guess the main thing is just to continue adapting. Because you know right. it's going to change. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I used to think like there was one way to do it, and luckily, I think I just got so sick of it. I got I was beating my head up against the wall for so many years that I just was like, okay, I'm going to take this into my own hands. I I still do the gallery system. Yeah. Shout out to Mike Collins. He's not definitely one of those gallery owners that we're talking about. Oh no. Yeah. Um, but there, for the most part, I think you're right. I think there's there's a system in place that's like artists stay out. Yeah. Like you have to fight to get through the door. Um, and now it's like the doors blown wide open online yeah you can if you can get into some of these marketplaces or you have a good website and you're creating quality work you can get your work out there and you have been selling on artsy yeah 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 which is fucking awesome man. and and, and so i love i love that that platform kind of is working i'm still like it's usually all my smaller pieces but um but just to get that kind of response was really good because i played on sachi for years and and i'm revamping my sachi just for the spread like i know you have the spread right yeah. like you don't you don't put all your fish in one basket and sure. it's, it's about eyeballs but um when when mike started that artsy thing i was like okay let's see what happens and i think i got first sale out of all of us and i was like oh yeah. you know that i'm putting everything in and, and, and then you got more and it's a but it's a great way also you you know you like you got to catalog your stuff yes because even if you want to apply to a show or anything you got to know measurement size what did i paint it on what's the title of it what's the price of it and when it's all on one platform, you can go reference that platform because you put all the information in there. Exactly. And it lives there. And I'm like, that's a great database. And so trying to get that process and that habit down, um, I really looked at you and what you were doing. I'm like, how can I do that with what I'm doing? Yeah. You know, um, and, and, you know, it, good or bad. A lot of my stuff is sculptural and a lot of it is big and mm-hmm. a lot of like shipping is going to be a horrendous nightmare. Yeah. And, and I haven't, I've only... I sold a sculpture on Saatchi that was 
probably four feet tall steel and um, oh, nice. i had to build a crate how much did it weigh um it didn't weigh that much it was only it was only like a 40 pound thing it was hollow okay. tubing but, um, but that's still a lot it was a lot but the, for art it was great in the fact that uh they sent a, a truck you know sachi gives you a shipping label the truck comes and picks it up and handles all of that yeah which which was cool but you saw the build crate you know which I do anyways, but I, I have other stuff. Like I'm currently on a, a commission sculpture that is I, it's probably 300 pounds right now. Is this the cat? The cat. The big cat. Is I was getting, going to ask you about that later. Is it how really close heavy. to being done? In my mind, <laughs> you know, like I started <laughs> this project. So, so this project came around um, um, after my solo at um, Chalkbox. at Chalkbox. I had a family member, and she's just which a war- for people listening went very well. You, yeah. you sold. You had some good. Uh, I you, did. You I moved cr- a lot of product. Like that critical really, acclaim. That really kicked off. Like it really felt like okay. I just started the engine, and I can do this. Yeah. And and, and so this commission is kind of a result of a family member um, reaching out and say, Hey, you know, I've been following your work and I love it. I want you to do something. Yeah. And that started like last May, I think, um, the conversation started and then I did a bunch of maquettes and sketches and kind of thoughts. We, we went through this process before we decided on the big cat and then the big cat, I started welding it in, um, I think November, December, and I'm still working yeah. on it. But the thing is with welding, like, you know, it takes a lot out of you, you know, like sure. the fumes, the grinding, it's hard on your muscles. And so you can't, you can't do eight hours a day. Of and you're welding. probably not just focusing on that piece. No, no I have a million other yeah, things. Exactly. That's the problem. Exactly. You know, it, it, a lot of it for me is like this exploration, like, can I do that? How? And then once I figure out I can do it, I'm like, uh, I can do it. No, but no, you got to finish it. Dude. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, um, and so I'm stoked. I have a, a great, great client that is just like, just take your time. Let's nail it and let's work together. And I'm like, that's like, that's the dream. It is the yeah. dream because but it's, ho- it's a lot of work. I'm hoping it leads to some other stuff too. And, sure. and the, the pieces turn out really good. So for me, I've still got a ways to go. Like if you're, if you're working in clay, you build up the form and then you start sculpting. So yes. I feel like I've just built up the form and I've got to do a little bit of grinding, a little bit of tweaking here and there. You just start to notice things that yeah. aren't necessarily right. They don't need to be perfect. This isn't going to be a, a completely realistic, you know, lion or a mountain lion but um but I, i've got some work to do i've, I've got a few more months still on this. but thing. i've seen it evolving and it it looks awesome yeah I mean, it's thanks. gonna be it's gonna be great when it's done like so, i already uh, like it it's gonna yeah. be great um also it seems like it's a pretty high ticket item right i mean it's, it, it 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 is um it probably should be higher ticket than I than I priced it out, but sure. but all of that's that, like that's like every piece in my opinion. <laughs> well, well, so much, but so much of that is like I, I went through a period of like I'm going to get into public sculpture, public out, outdoor public artwork because yes. the, the, every city needs it. There's money for it, and yada yada yada. But but when you go to apply for those things, the first thing I want to know is what have you done in the past? You're like, well, I haven't done anything. I think I can. I know you know I can, but so you have to be able to pitch things. So for me, this process is also look, I can do this, you know, and, 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 and then knowing like when it comes to welding, this is a, this is a steel structure. So it's like, how do you estimate costs of materials, welding gas, welding wire, yeah, acetylene, you know, all the different gases involved and, and how fast am I going to run through that stuff? And if you haven't done that size, you, you don't know. So there's, there was, there was no the way labor. to, there was no way to adequately um, price out this piece. It's definitely, definitely my, my, biggest piece and yeah. and largest commission to yeah. date but you know i could have tripled it if i, if I wanted to like really profit and did i know it was going to take me a year no yeah you know but um but those are great it's a it's a, it's a brilliant learning thing i'm yes. i'm just happy someone has the confidence to throw down some money on on anything that i want to do you know well it's great too because it, it sets the stage for you to be able to do more work yeah. like that 
of that value and scale. Yeah. Um, secondly, it's a learning process, right? Totally. Um, yeah. And, but also the one last thing I would add to that was I feel like so many times as artists, we're just looking for a sale and you put a lot of work into it. I don't know how many times I've gotten a big sale and then I've done the work of like packaging it, getting it ready to hang really getting out there. And I'm like, dude, I, I gave this fucking thing away. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, of There's course. always an element of that. I- people see people can't, you, you can't put a price tag on the stuff that keeps you up at night thinking about yeah, either. Right. Exactly. The, the crazy amount of hours. It's like, not the same as like doing, going to a job, sitting at a desk and doing that work. Cause so much yeah. of it is mental. You, you dream about right. it. You take it home. You ruminates, you know? Yeah. Oh God. It, it, it's, it's impossible. So even, even on the scale, I'm getting a lot of people asking me to frame stuff for them. I'm yeah. like, Sure, I'm not a framer. I build my own frames all the time, you know. And for me, that's an extension of the work, and it's it's further narrative. So me building your frame doesn't—I don't know. I'm not connected to the work. I can build you whatever you want, and then and they'll say, "Well, just build something cool." You're like, "Okay, well, how thick? How wide? What color of wood? Um, is it wood that I have in my stock, or do I have to go to the store to get it? Because if I go to the store now at Home Depot, I have to wait in line." You're talking an hour, a couple hours there. What's what's my time, you know? So I, pr- I try to put a price on my my shop time. Yeah. And then when I tell them the price of the shop, you know, they're like, geez, dude, you can't just do that for a hundred bucks. I'm like, I'm not a framer, but, but you know, yeah. for me to take up my whole studio for a day, you know, that yeah. costs money. Otherwise, let it's me just It's opportunity missed for you too. Like yeah. you could be working on something. You could be selling something else. You could be marketing other things. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's really, really hard to price that stuff. And, it is. And, and, and I'm like, if you tell me exactly what you need to make and you give me all the materials, there's still labor involved. But but designing and thinking about how's it going to join together? Do I have the clamps to glue it together? Do I have the stain, you know, at the end and the finished material? And how many days to dry, glue, clamp, sand, make look pretty? That doesn't happen in an hour. No, it doesn't it happen doesn't. in two hours. It doesn't. So it's it's hard to communicate that. You know? And also, like now, when I have people who commission me for anything, like especially a big piece that I know is going to take some time, I just say, "Well, look, you're paying for my time, also, not just the time of creating it, but the time away from being able to create my normal projects, yeah, yeah, and do my normal work. Like I'm yeah. basically putting everything on pause so I can just work on your thing. So that's got that's got to be factored in. Yeah, and and it's so hard to put a price on that stuff, you know. It's yeah, it's ridiculous, and people don't understand. And like for me, people still don't understand. It's it's kind of funny, but after a while, it's not funny anymore. People think that I'm just like painting all the time. It's like, oh, being an artist is great. You just go to the studio and paint. And they see me yes. like, you know, trouncing around. But it's like, that's probably 40% of my day. Yeah. 60% of my day is doing all the if other. If you're stuff. lucky. If you're lucky. lucky. If you're yeah, lucky. Man. Right. Exactly. It's the business of being an artist is very different from most people's conception yeah. of what it is. You know? Oh, I mean? yeah. Yeah. So. I want to segue real quick to, um, I wanted to do this earlier, but I was enjoying talking to you, um, your, your origin story. I always do the origin story. Oh, yeah. We talked, we t- touched on it a little bit, but mainly like the progression of Scott through to how you became an artist and um, kind of what, what was the impetus for you thinking that you could actually do this for a living? Great, great. It's a good story. I mean, I'll try to rush through it because it's long too. But, <laughs> Take your time. But so, yeah, I went to college for um, film. I went to film school, and I loved uh, that chaotic world. It was creative. Yeah. Um, and I, I segued that into working at a, um, a a company that made camera cranes and dollies for the film industry. So I was doing machining and welding, and that's kind of where I learned the metalworking aspect of what I do now. Um, 
and and I saw the film industry, you know, it's a rough thing. And I, and the people that I, I worked, I saw 60 year old grips carrying sandbags and stands. And I was like, okay, I, I probably, I, I, mic operators. I think I want to get out of that. And I, when my buddies were doing computer graphics and video game design. And I said, yeah, I want to do that. And my friend said, I'll try to get you a job at DreamWorks in LA. Right. And, uh, so I tried, I came out here and I tried to get a job um, doing the video game stuff. It didn't happen, but I got really good at Photoshop and I was able to get in at um, when the dot-com boom came. They just oh, needed, nice. They just needed people. So I worked at um, eToys, which was like, it was awesome, you know, to be on the ground floor of, of this company. And I was doing Photoshop work all day, you know, just product photography. It was great, you know. We got stocks. We were like, yeah, you know, pre-IPO. Oh, we're going to be rich. And, <laughs> and you were pretty young at this point, too. I was 29. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Um, and and it was it was exciting. And, and I just moved to L.A. and I had this whole new group of friends. And we were all like, we were stoked because we were like the best company. And we had stock. I didn't know what stock was. Um, but by the time our stock was worth anything, the company, like it went from, it went from something 200,000 to like toilet paper the next day. Oh shit. Um, when the company tanked and that yeah. left me with, uh, I was, um, like four months away from having my kid, the dot com boom happened. Oh man. You know, the downward spiral, I got laid off. Uh, my wife at the time got laid off and we were in LA with nothing. And I, um, I scored a job. The at- company folded too. Yeah, eToys went under. You yeah. know, I mean, they they got sold, and it you know, but the but then everyone from the dot com was out of work, right? I got very lucky. <clears throat> excuse me, very lucky um, that a manager from there went and um, got a job at Mattel when they were changing from um, standard photography to digital photography. Nice, and they needed retouchers. I knew Photoshop. That's that's it. I went so I went from basically working in a machine shop, greasy, to sitting behind a computer pushing pixels, and it worked great. They provided, you know, I was raising my son. And and it provided this great world. Um, at no time did I call myself an artist. This is an important part. Right. You know, like on my business card, it said digital artist. But if you asked me what I did, I was like, ah, I'm a retoucher, you know, yeah. a Photoshop artist, whatever. But I but I never never thought of myself as an artist. But years and years of daily grind. I worked there 15 years, and it was a lot of hand painting, you know, digital hair and makeup and stuff like that. And I didn't realize that those skills were applicable to real life painting at that up until that point i had for sure art classes in school um you know and and, and sorry but not not to mention yeah. the, the the marketing side of putting your work online doing the photo retouching oh putting yeah. it in the content i mean that's like that's simple but it's it's a skill yeah yeah, yeah i yeah. get it now how yeah. that helps and um so so you know fast forward i did 15 years and um and then and then my marriage fell apart and I was kind of floating in this like not sure world, this inconsistent world. And, and, um, that's, that's ultimately when I met Shannon and, yeah. um, she is really the impetus. If, if you really look at it, because I was gr- brought up in this like really responsible thing and just going off to, to explore art wasn't really an option. It was like, dude, you got to work, you know, and if yeah. you have a job, it's great. So we when and upon dating, we went to one of these paint and pour events right oh, nice. you drink wine and they have a guy up there and we're going to paint a wave here's yeah. step one on this wave right and and shannon she majored in uh fine art and like i watched her and she was just all over the board you know it was, it was totally different what she was doing and and being a surfer i had my version of a wave i stared at magazines all the time so i i had this wave going and i looked around and i was like oh man, everyone did exactly what that guy told them. And we just went and did like whatever we wanted. I was like, <laughs> and, and I, what I was realizing is that the brush stroke and color theory that I'd been sitting digitally 
actually related to the physical element. This is the first time I ever Definitely. painted on canvas, right? Yeah. Instantly hooked. Like that was it. Like I, okay, I'm getting brushed canvas and setting up an easel. I'm like, I'm painting all these different stuff. And, um, I, I, and, and so that, that like kickstarted my process of like, Oh, maybe I, I could create art sure. still, still working full time, you know? And, um, and, and then, so, but I've always been a builder. So my, my time in doing the machine shop stuff, woodworking, metalworking has always been kind of a side thing. So I started doing furniture, um, technical difficulties. Jesus, calm down. <laughs> I don't know how excited you that much. Um, <laughs> Nervous twitch. You're, there, you're getting angry at me and start throwing stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's over. So, so, uh, so I was doing woodworking. So th- the next phase of it is like, I was building stuff and, and then getting a response from it, you know, and, and you can look, I had days of journaling where I was just like, I want to, you know, my goal for the year is to build one thing and sell it. Nice. That, and that goal came up the next year. That goal came up almost three years where I didn't do it, you know, but yeah. it, it was a goal I kept. And so finally, when someone responded to, I think it was a fire pit, I I had sold some little planters. I was doing fountains and fire pits and this really creative, like wood. I liked outdoor stuff. And, um, and, and, and then when I actually sold something, I was like, oh, I can do this. There's a, you know, I can do this. And so me getting my studio was me looking for a place that I could work on night at night and on the weekends while doing my full-time job. So, so I got this industrial, I I got super lucky. First of all, that's very important. Yeah. I got super lucky and I got this industrial space, thousand square foot, but I didn't know anything about it. And I didn't realize there was other artists in there. There was mechanics and stuff. It's really ungentrified. So, you know, we had a little bit of everything, but there was these serious artists who've been in the game a long time and, um, and it, it was super beneficial. And they were like, well, you should do an open studio. Cause I had some furniture and stuff. Yeah. It was kind of I was, serendipitous. I was doing a lot of reclaim stuff. I would find stuff and build something out of it. And they're like, do an open studio. I was like, what's that? You know? And, and so I did that and I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And everybody was like, that's a great chair. You should make a hundred. I was like, I don't, I don't want to make a hundred. That's the chair. That's what I made. Yeah. Realizing. So that kind of functional art. I kind of, I kind of eased into it by doing functional art the whole time. I was like painting on the side, but not really talking about it. And I was just having fun with painting. Um, and then it just developed from there, uh, to where I started seeking out mentors within, within the art world. Mm-hmm. You know, I had some built-in ones. So some of my neighbors were uh, a really prominent artist and, and they helped me in different areas, whatever, whatever it was. If, if I needed to think how to think about art, I had one person. If I needed how to paint, and advice on painting. I had another person and recently I've it's got, like a crash course. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of going back to school, I sought out the people that, um, that, that I liked what they were doing. This was like school. And I just asked them. Yeah. But, you know? but like with in real life practice. Yeah. Are you yeah. doing workshops? Are you doing, you know, so I've done a couple of these things and, and connected with people that I really admired and just grown exponentially off of that rather than going, okay, I should go back to art school and figure this out. Um, just finding mentors, you know, and that's, that's invaluable to this day. I'm that's still happening throughout that process, you know? And so ultimately <clears throat> I had the workshop that I was building stuff in and then the space next to me became available and these don't come up that often. And I was like, I just got to snag it. So I have two next to each other, but I couldn't really afford it. And I, and ultimately I ran into a couple friends that needed space. And so I, I have kind of like a workshop and then I have a painting sculpting side that I split with two other artists mm-hmm. and, um, and we've got a nice little community. You got to you got to come check it out. Though. I know. I still need to get down there. Yeah, well, I was go- I was going to, and then this whole shit 
I, well, we were about to do an open studio, you know, and right. like, so the next time we do an open studio, when stuff ramps up, you, I'll definitely throw you on the invite and um, you can see. Yeah, what I'd I, love to. It's good. From the pictures and the videos, like the mic interview, the studio looks awesome. Like that's like the dream studio. What I'm sad about that is like, Mike's like, oh, I got to do a quick uh, uh, interview, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. So I didn't <laughs> clean or anything. And it just looks like, I, I'm looking back. I'm like, oh man, it was so messy and so unplanned. <laughs> it didn't read in the video. But the studios are supposed to be a little messy anyway. That's what it is. Yeah, dude. I go there and I get filthy because woodworking and metalworking is is just inherently filthy, you know. And, and sure. again, painting, painting, you know, too. I can throw paint around, you know. Like <laughs> when I first moved into the studio, like I let my kid and his friends just spray paint anything they want. Just go have at it, man. Hey, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. It's great. Industrial space, like I really, it's been the best thing. Like I'm going to fight for my life to keep that space no matter what because it's uh, – being uninhibited by and and leaving a project in the middle of something I, i'm constantly jumping from five different things so yeah. so i've got the big cat which is important because someone's commissioned me to do that but mentally i can't do that unless i have this this and this going on at the exactly. same time and you have the space to do it and i have the space to do it yeah, yeah. Th- that space is so valuable and we're really lucky like it hasn't been so we're in hawthorne and um if you're familiar with it like spacex is close to there yeah and so when they started getting popular, all the industrial spaces start, you know, people are buying them and, and just blowing up the rent, you know? So did you, are you renting it or? Are I'm you, renting it. Okay. okay so have the wish. rent skyrocketed yet? No, no, oh, wow. no, no. We're super lucky. The The woman who owns the building just, I, I don't know if she, I think she can get more, you know, like she could gouge. She doesn't. We'll, we'll edit this part out. Yeah. Yeah. She could gouge, but she doesn't. And, and her whole thing is just like, just, just pay your rent and yeah, yeah, every yeah, month yeah. and I'm fine. Don't. Don't break anything and, you know, don't bother me, basically. See, that's we're, cool. Yeah, we're, <coughs> you have that's to see cool it though, because there's, there's two sides to it. There's an owner that owns one side and an owner that owns the other side. And the other side is way different than our side. Yeah. The, the other side, they don't want any artists, you know, because of insurance purposes. Oh, really? And they don't, yeah, because we were doing these big events and um, they were like, oh, you can't do that. You got to get a permit. And, and uh, our, our landlord's like, yeah. As long as I don't hear about it, we're fine. You know? I was like, okay, cool. See, that's kind of more of an old school approach. Now they're worried yeah. about all that. Well, I wanted to say a couple of things. That's a lot. Thanks for sharing. Sorry, that's the origin. That. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. The thing that I dig about it is um, it sucks that I always have to relate this back to myself, but hey, I, I can only relate to my own experiences. But it's cool that you have these stages. You did this, you learned this skill, this little skill, and then all of a sudden they kind of came together and it's like, I'm using all of these things. Because yes. That happened with me too. I, I went to school for acting and painting and I was like, I'm, I came down here to try it. I, I focused on on uh, painting and then I was like, I'm never going to use this again. But then I started doing the podcast and I started doing mm. the YouTube channel and I was like, oh, I'm kind of starting to use some of these skills that I did, the improv, all that stuff that I did. It's interesting how these things kind of work their way. So I think a lot of people regret trying certain things, but- that's the cool thing about life is they kind of come back around. If you're trying to do something cool, they will find their way to work their way into it. Well, and that's why you always ask the question of like failure, you know, yes. and what's your biggest failure. Right. And and it's really hard because those little things you did, whether they worked out or not, affect what you're doing now, you know. And, and they make you who you are. Yeah, and totally make yeah. you who you are, you know, whether yeah. whether it be relationship, whether it be, you know, a job or whatever. Um you learn something and it and it sticks and it goes into the art. And that's why I love the art too, because you can express yourself. You can express the community. You can express all kinds of things within that if, if you dig. Yeah. And that's why I just, I, I have tons of respect for people who really dig. 
I, d- I don't respect if you just like throw it together. Oh, look, I did something beautiful. It's like, come on, man, dig, put some emotion. Let me dig see a little you, deeper. Let me see you bleed a little, sweat a little, yeah. you know, and and then what comes out of it, and then let's talk about it. You know? For sure. Oh, another cool thing that I want to uh, talk about is the mentorship thing. Yeah. Um, that is the best way to learn anything. I mean, you almost don't. You never needed to go to school for art. I I got. Yeah. A, I went to school for art. I mean, it wasn't like an MFA program or anything, but I. The, the most valuable thing that I learned is I had a mentor who was a fucking painter and he showed me how he was working every day. He would paint, he would wake up at 8 a.m. and do his painting, then teach his classes every wow. day he worked. So I got to go into a studio. I got to learn the process of being an artist. I learned so much more just talking to this guy, hanging out with him and working with yeah. him than I did in all my classes combined. Yeah. So that's, that's important. So if anybody's listening and they're debating whether or not to get an MFA or to get some life experience, if you can find uh, a way to get, a mentor um, or a couple mentors to give you a little crash course, learn some life experience, learn the business side, which they, to my knowledge, still don't teach you in art school. Yeah. That's, that's invaluable. Yeah. 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 I agree. I so, agree. And I've, I've been lucky and in even Instagram, man, you know, like yeah. I connected with a sculptor here in LA and uh, Tanya Regeer and she's amazing. And, you know, and I, and she kind of was liking some of my stuff. I liked some of her stuff. I saw she was doing workshops. I'm like, Hey, or she was doing classes. And, um, it was more than a workshop. And, uh, and I was like, Hey, you know, you know, can we, I would love to be involved. And, and she, she's just been wonderful, wonderful person in my life. And I, and now I have, nice. a, like I said, a number of those and each day, like something new. And, and it seems like if you, if you're willing to learn, um, uh, people are willing to teach, right? Like yeah. they, they like that. They would rather than going to like a college class where, you know, half the kids are forced to be there by their parents or whatever. They don't really care. Um, in these group settings, sometimes you're like someone who really wants to learn. And, yes. and I've even been fortunate enough that I've had people come to me and ask for my advice and ask for how I could, and I was able to give back. And well, they're asking the right questions. Yeah. They're not just going through a curriculum that's kind of a generic curriculum for everybody. Yeah. It's like, this is a question that, that affects me right now. Can you help me with that? And they have all these people out there, all these resources to ask. Because really, None of us have the same situation. No, between finances, you know what we're completely doing, completely different, and, and they're all unique. And so you have to approach it with a unique kind of eyesight. Yeah, you know? well, that's what I talked about in the art market. I mean, the um, art fallacies thing is like even when we were talking about um, different art marketplaces and like you were doing well, artsy, I'm doing well here. Some people, it, it doesn't work for them for whatever reason, right? They work better in a gallery situation. They work better going to art fairs. Like Betsy Etzenberger, she's like, yeah. she kills it at art fairs. Yeah. I mean, she can just, she can go and sell out each, each art fair she's this at. That stuff and is glossy me, and I, shiny. I know, and, I know. You know yeah, that yeah. stuff is like, hey, of course you want to put that in your pocket and take it home, right? Of course, right? Yeah. I would too. Yeah. Yeah, it's But gorgeous. it's like for me, like you and I, maybe hawking some dark paintings yeah, or whatever. Mm, well, so not, that could that, work. But that leads me kind of to what I was wondering about your practice going oh. Uh, are we out of time? No, 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 no. Uh, but no, going from from your surrealist, you know, you've talked exclusively about that. But like, what changed in that process? And and do you do you get the same level of satisfaction from doing the paintings you're doing now as you did? Some of that stuff looked like deeper emotional stuff, but I, for sure, it could be completely wrong. And the stuff you're doing now could be even deeper emotional stuff. It's a different kind of emotion. It is. Like for me, first of all, thank you for asking the question. Um, that's that's a great question. I I think what it was is I changed. I was so dark, man, for a mm. while. And like Mike always gives me shit. He just he just interviewed me. He was laughing about me, talking about being dark. He's like, I don't remember you ever being dark. <laughs> I was dark. Like I, my drinking days yeah. and my party days, my working in, in restaurant days, I came home and it was just like 
existential just dread, you know what yeah. I mean? It all came out. A lot of my stuff was self-portraiture and yeah. faceless figures, kind of, you know, not not like yours, but similar sure. in feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, for me, that was just very cathartic. Like, that's how I got it out, is like self-medicating. Right. Um, now, it's one of those things where I started to kind of play around with abstract in the backgrounds. Like, my surrealist stuff had very colorful backgrounds. I was trying to do this, and I started to kind of just see that natural progression. But as I got happier, as I learned how to deal with myself in the world a bit more, it just seemed like the direction I was heading. Yeah. And so I kind of just, I don't know, one day it was almost like I woke up one day and I was like, I'm now an abstract artist. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, 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 and of course, some people are going to be like, oh, whatever, sell out. He's doing it because this sells more. But no, it wasn't like that for me. It was just, that's what I wanted to do. And to answer your question about emotion, Sometimes I can convey so much more in a painting that I do in two, three, four hours, like in a moment of like, I hate to say this because it sounds so, um, it sounds so, I don't know, uh, elitist or whatever, but like a moment of rapture, you know, you're just capturing (laughs) it all. But like, whereas you're doing, you know, if you're doing a figurative one and there's a lot of detail, sometimes you have to maintain that level for like, Mm -hmm. I used to pay for 14 hours straight. Oh my God. And I would just be like, and you just get that level of exhaustion. So how do you keep that up? Whereas like, an abstract one, I can get in there, knock it out, and just capture something I'm feeling in the moment, you know? Well, let's say kind of something. I don't know if that answered your question. It did, it did, it did. And and something I just thought of when you were speaking to that is like it seems like that earlier work was kind of a release and a therapy for you. Definitely. Whereas this newer work is kind of for everybody else. Like yeah. everybody else can get emotion. I can have a common emotion with this stuff. But maybe not the other stuff because I didn't share that emotion. You know, if it's right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it might not be, I might not connect with it where <coughs> this is more, has a, a universal um, emotional value that is, is, is something people can, can get something when, when they buy it and put it in their home, they receive, you know, brilliant every day. It's colorful when they walk in and they get joy and they get some emotion out of that yeah. rather than. Oh, I just bought Preston's dark, creepy shit. And then that's what I face. It's like, oh, I don't want to see Scott's downward spiral like and put that on my wall. Some people do, but yeah, it's there's not as many people. Yeah. But you know what is funny? I think you articulate it almost perfectly. Well, you you helped me to articulate it in my own mind perfectly, which was I think that was a my old stuff was a representation of my own selfish inner struggle. Mm. And this is more of like, okay. There's a world that's bigger than me out this here. For you. I'm stepping yeah. outside of myself. And I stopped taking myself so seriously. I started realizing that like, look, my, my struggle, it matters. Yeah. Like I used to, t- I used to tell, uh, tease myself that like, because it was so personal, it was universal. And there is some truth to that mm. because other people are going through a similar yeah. existential dread and that's yeah. going to speak to them. But that was also a little bit of me just kind of rationalizing. Um, some of my new stuff is just like, this is for the world. This is for That's humanity. an interesting perspective that I think I'm just noticing now. And, and you're it, right. No, you're right on. It's super valid. And and a lot of people, again, when I'm I'm addressing anybody that comes to ask me for advice about the art world, the art world's a very broad world. Like, it is. You can enter at any spot you want. You can try to go find art. You can you know try to go craft art. It's still art. It's still creative. And um and and I had this conversation. So so I had a chance. My friend Dijon. Did you meet Dijon? I think so. Yeah. His energy is undeniable when you when you meet him. He's yeah. a very personal character, and um, he came to me with a lot of these questions. and And I said, "You can jump in at any point you want. You know, like uh, there's room for everybody. 
but but that's up to you on how you want to approach it. You can be the tortured artist that just sits in your studio or, you know, and so fast forward, um, I kind of helped him kind of, I got him in his first show and, and, nice. uh, and, and he just took off. He just needed someone to say yes. Like that. So Shannon to me was the one who said, yes, you yes. should do this. Yes. There's value in this. Yes. It's a wonderful thing. Keep going. It, there's do it. And so I kind of gave that to him and fast forward to a few years later, he's, he's kept up with me and now he works for a program um, called Able Arts Network. Okay. And, um, I think Able Arts Department Network. Anyways, um, it's, it's for uh, people with disabilities to go and, and, and he coaches and teaches art. And oh, he, that's awesome. He brought a group over to my studio and, and the realization that I had at that moment was like, I hang around with people that are, are you know, in the, the, the West side art world that it's, it's hard to get into. And it's like elitism. These guys came over and, and all kinds of a variety of disabilities, but but their love for art. The one guy just told me he can't stop. Like he wakes up and he has to sketch constantly. Oh, that's awesome. So you just realize, dude, art is for everybody and fuck everybody who says otherwise. Right? I completely agree with you. It's for everybody. And it's to see everybody. people with disabilities that don't, but they, they get something out of just scratching on a piece of paper, sculpting, whatever. It, it, it's really a beautiful thing. So there's a place for everybody. And, and, and also what a, what a beautiful and, release and, um, yeah. you know, a way to kind of work through some of your own issues, whatever that is, it doesn't have to be existential dread. It can just be anxiety. It can be, it can be happiness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know where to put this happiness. I'll put it here. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, I'm really inspired by that because, yeah. because I, I think in the beginning I spent a lot of time, like I want to be a fine artist. I want an A chip gallery, you know, whatever, yeah. a blue chip gallery. Um, you know, I want to be up there with those guys and yeah, those, those things all still exist. Sure. But at the same time, you're like, well, fuck it. If I never do, man. Exactly. Because really, really, really the goal is to create every day that's it for the rest of my life that's the goal and to the do goal something in your own way a little yeah, bit you know well you got to do your own way and yeah. it's like if your goal is to sell um you're going to approach it differently than my goal is to create my inner emotions my to release that you of course you want it all to come together perfect and your sure. inner emotions and things you create are valuable to everybody else and they pay you millions of dollars well of course <laughs> of course but really what are you going to do after you get that million dollars? You're going to go back and paint. You're going to go back and sculpt. Well, so ho- the, hopefully that's it. And, and yeah. if, that's not not, stop. if that's not the thing that's happening, yeah. then you're probably in it for the wrong reason. You're in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. You know, like that's the goal is how do I maintain this lifestyle? Yeah. You know, and some people going back to your other uh, point earlier, so everybody's coming from a different place, yeah. different financial place, uh, whatever, uh, different location. Uh, maybe the country you're living in, uh, it doesn't foster totally. the arts, you know, uh, maybe it's just, it's hard to make a living there. Maybe you can't find the materials, but, um, yeah, you got to find that balance within, but, but at the, at its, at its like most simplified level, you got to be doing it for the art. <laughs> you got to be yeah. doing it because you want to create, right? I hope so. You yeah. know, I mean, that's, that's the real, and, and I try to surround myself with people like that. So I don't, I don't know many of the other people that, I mean, once in a while we do those group shows and I've met some people who, by the way, are like, I'm in it. Like I'm, I'm getting, first of all, it's ridiculous to think that you're going to just come into the art world and like just make a million dollars selling art. Right? So many of those people, it's like, dude, this is not easy. Like you have no idea. I met some, I man, I have good stories about those people that are like, yeah. dude, look at, I painted some flowers. Like, I think I'm going to sell a thousand of these. 
it. I'm going to quit my job. I'm like, what? No, uh, dude. What? No. <laughs> so wrong. No. Exactly. First yeah. of all, you're probably not going to sell that. And yeah. then secondly, if you do sell that, you got to repeat that like a million times. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, do you mind if we take a quick break? Take it. Quick, uh, quick pee break, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, one sec. Rest in. <laughs> See if it picks me up. Can you hear me? You don't need me in this podcast. I'm just going to talk in a different <laughs> voice, Preston. <laughs> it's great. We've got Scott Mitchell. We've got. I'm just going to cuss at you for the next 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah, just could you shout? <laughs> could you just shout at me for a while? Uh, oh, perfect. This is the one. Oh, this is this is the girl. So we've got a uh, Rome art residency. Oh my god. Because that seemed like an amazing opportunity. That's, yeah, the best thing, like I said, I, being able to say yes to that was amazing. And um, how did you how did you discover it? How so did you I it? and again, this is another Instagram thing. Uh, I follow Brian Booth Craig, who's a world famous sculptor. I'm gonna say you're gonna say Brian Boitano. No, <laughs> Brian Booth Craig. He's a, he's a figurative sculptor, and um, and he he listed this workshop in Rome, and. Um, it's, I mean, it's loosely a residency more workshop, but, yeah. but, but they do have a resident artist and, and, um, this, this year he was reforming it after the company kind of restructured it. So it was kind of a, a first year for this particular version of this and the artists that, you know, I'm a fan of his and, um, the, the artists that were featured on this, that, so he was going to have a resident artist there and uh-huh. that was Alexandra Slava and she's a Ukrainian, um, sculptor female she's just brilliant i love her work on instagram and i was like oh my god these are two of my favorite artists <laughs> and then and then what th- he did was unique is that one room was sculptors and one room was painters and you 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 couldn't do both but you you chose one or the other okay. and so the the resident painter was dennis sarazen and if i don't know if you're familiar with his work but i had caught one of his shows in culver city he's another ukrainian Wait, say the name again dennis sarazen and sarazen okay. yeah and I'll forward you stuff because you'll be blown away. You yeah. really like it. Okay, um, cool. Um, and a brilliant painter. So I'm like, oh my God. Like, you know, the fact that we all can have like Instagram art heroes is yes. awesome. But now they're saying, you know, I've never been to Rome. I've never been to Italy, you right. know? And it was like, hey, you know, spend two weeks in Rome studying every day and going to museums and oh my god and with with these artists and i was like oh my god shannon i have to do this and like just the history of art there too if i go into debt i have to do this so so yeah. so it, it wasn't cheap you know but um but damn if it wasn't worth every penny and then after i already paid and signed you probably up, got more you probably like soaked up like a decade's worth of knowledge in this two weeks Bro, like, like I, I don't use the word the term bro very often. Yeah, bro, bro. Like, you this is a bro. <laughs> you can't even imagine because um, I'll I'll plug them every day because um, because what it was is so and, and Brian is really connected. And he has a lot of really wonderful artist friends, and one of his friends is Chris Cooksky. Yeah, I don't know if you know Chris, but his work is. I, I mean, I'm a big fan, and so after I'd already paid, I'm like, I'm going. This is great. He says, oh, by the way, Chris is going to stop by and go to the museums with us. I was like, what? Oh, like, this awesome. is one of my hero artists, right? So I had four artists that I absolutely Instagram loved and admired, and I was going to get to hang out with them for two weeks. Oh, that's so and cool. And so man. the day started, you know, where we we went to the studio and we sculpted for, you know, six, seven, eight hours, you know, like it was, and everyone was into it, you know. And then after that, we would go to a museum or a church and <clears throat> the people... Um, Brian Booth Craig is just a vast wealth of knowledge 
and the other guy, Jim, uh, I can't say his last name, right? Desicino, um, who runs the program, um, used to do tours at the Vatican. So he was oh, dialed wow. into all this stuff. So like, they don't need a pamphlet or brochure. They, they, they love Bernini so much, the sculptures of Bernini, yeah. that they can recite it verbatim for hours. Like we would, and as a group, we would all go to these museums and, and then we would go out, we'd have gelato, we'd have dinner and we would hang yes. out and we would talk about personal life stuff. So in the case of like Alexandra Slava, who's, I just admired her work. She's really young um, and just had graduated from the Florence Academy of Fine Art and uh, some of the best sculptors in the world come out of there. But to be able to sit across the bar top and, hey, what is your inspiration for that piece? Or What's your story? Yeah, it's not you like know? you're just doing like a panel talk where you're no, listening to somebody in a crowd out of hundreds and of people. And, oh, that's and, amazing. And you know, with artists, just like we're talking right now, yeah. like the value, you can't you can't pay for that kind of value. Yeah. And and so then it's day in and day out. We woke up and did the same thing. And and these and the other thing that was so amazing about that process was that the participants, there were some brilliant artists within there that also felt the same way about these artists. And and creating in Rome too, like we were at the studio, um, right in the middle of the Campo di Fiore, the the uh-huh. marketplace. Yeah, windows open, you know, people with you hear people singing and stuff. Oh my god! And we had a model that is beautiful model for. Um, she stood. She posed for us for, I think, seventy hours over the course of two weeks in the same pose for while we were sculpting. Wow. And so we're stuck in a room and and uh, in this beautiful setting, you know, and and. This, I, I can't I can't talk enough about it because it it was that good and yeah. and so you know you do this for two weeks there's bonds and friendships so I have friends in South Africa I yeah. have friends in the Ukraine I have friends that, you know Berlin and South uh, South America uh, oh, just, that's there was brilliant people that were participating in yeah. this along with everybody else and I'm telling you like and they're going to be the the top the cream of the crop. For the it, future. Was, it was crazy when we would sit down to eat at night and I'm like, well, what do you do for a living? And oh, I'm a, I'm a physicist. I, I worked at the CERN, you know, where the particle collider, I was like, what? Wow. And you're also a brilliant sculptor. It's like, oh my God, there was a diplomat from the Philippines, you know, this female uh, who had been, a, and now she's an artist and, and, and her process in life is like, there was so much gain from all of that. I, I was like, I think I, I took people off guard at the beginning because I was so excited. Like yeah. I was like, I'm talking about it now. I couldn't, I couldn't be more excited to hang out with these people and, and just share. And that, and that energy lasted for two weeks. We were all, and to this day, they were, I'm they, sure you carried some of it back here too. Well, yeah. And, and they were going to do the program again this year and they had to cancel it. I felt so oh, bummed, but, sucks. but I applied to be the resident artist there oh, wow. for that. And I didn't get it, but, but, um, but but I've we've commiserated, but, but but I have lifetime bonds with what I feel to be some of the greatest artists ever. You know, yeah. like in our in our in our current situation, and um, and it, the, the value is it like way more than a college education, right? Oh yeah. And I got to be in two weeks in Rome, which I dude. thought was a, a beautiful city. I mean, yeah. the, and I don't say dude a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but the Vatican, right? Like. Yeah. What kind of crazy? The other thing that I got from the whole thing, which I thought was great, is because people always approach me, "Oh, your work is so dark," and um, I'm like, "I don't know, is it?" I mean, don't you get tired of hearing that? But then you go to Rome, you go look at the Sistine Chapel. Like, what? Some of the stuff is crazy dark. Oh yeah, you know, there's yeah. there's decapitated heads all over Rome, right? Like, For sure. And so I was like, "Well, I'm not dark, you know. No. Fuck this, you know." And I, I got so much out of that trip. I really valuable. Would recommend Rome art residencies. It's amazing. And also it's so cool to be like 
first of all, you've got all these people who are at the top of their game, either in art or in a different field or both. Yeah. It just rises your game. Totally. It raises your game. Sorry. I mean, totally. it forces you to just step it up. And I, I think I noticed your work kick into high gear. It was oh, already totally. good, but it kicked into it another gear when you came back. Yeah. And also, by the way, a little side note. I remember I had my solo show at Shockbox and I was like, <laughs> Scott, oh, Scott's not going to be there? What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, oh, he's at the art or the Rome I felt so residency. Bad. I was like, oh, okay, that's fair. That's why I, want, I got your preview. You know, I went to the preview and then I was like, and, and then you said, you didn't tell me you were there. And I was like, I don't know what to tell you. I, was yeah, like, yeah. Was, I had to miss your show. Yeah. Sorry. That is <laughs> you know? fair game. Yeah. And then I think I was uh, helping my parents in Idaho for years. Yeah. So I was like, it was not a fuck you. Not it was- the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the same, dude. I need a better story. <laughs> Well, they're old. Scott. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, but that sounds amazing, man. Um, yeah. So, well, maybe are you going to keep applying? Maybe you will be. Yeah. Sure. You know, I'm definitely keeping in touch with these particular artists, and um, and I, I hope they're friends. I mean, we all commented it, like you when you're spending again, artists. We have this bond, right? But yeah. when you're really close quarters, long hours discussing, analyzing how to, everyone was really humble. Yeah. But I, I took a super humble backseat. I, I, I would ask for help from the guy next to me. You know, I'm like, Hey, what do you think about this and this? And, and, and people were open to giving their advice if you asked for it, you know, but that's a great lesson too, though, is, is, is be humble. Oh, don't totally. be the douchebag who thinks he knows everything. Cause you're always learning in art. I don't care if you've yeah. been doing this for 40 years, you're always learning and yeah. you can always learn. Yeah. So that's great. I mean, that's a great lesson too. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for sharing that. I wanted to get into a couple uh, kind of like rapid fire questions. Some of the stuff that we, that I ask everybody like secret weapon as an artist, like what's something, let's say you're in that stage mm-hmm. where you're uninspired. Like right now with stuff that's going on with COVID and you're feeling down, you're feeling like this doesn't matter. How do you get yourself to rise to the occasion to keep creating? So if I'm in the studio, the number one thing that's cause this happens all the time is I stop and I clean. <laughs> oh, nice. Because it's filthy. I, I have wood dust and metal dust. And and through the process, I'm moving tools all around. And I have to stop and I look at everything. And it's that vacuum law of prosperity. You know, yeah, if you're yeah, familiar, yeah. you got to make space for that next idea. Sure. Um, and and that is my number one go-to. If it's if it's painting, it's also, a different it gets, world. Also, it gets your body moving, too. It yeah. It gets the blood flowing. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I get so lost in the process when I have five things going, be it woodworking, metalworking, painting. Um, tools get scattered, and you kind of get confused. And, yeah. And so just organizing my space is a really good one to get me out of the funk, because it always needs organizing. It'll never be organized enough. Right. If it's just painting that we're speaking to... Um, for me, it's just starting, you know, it, it, you know, I mean, I, that's kind of blah, but, or, or I'll, I'll switch it up instead of doing one of something I would normally do. I try to do like a portrait, a realist painting because mm-hmm. I don't normally do that. I can. Yeah. I've seen um, some of them. Yeah. They're good. Some of that is like, that's a different state of mind, right? When it you're is. doing, it's very much like the retouching work I used to do. It's, it's more like, mechanical. Make this look like this, this look like this. Right. It, it's all credible ways to access those brain movements, sure. but but the other stuff is is turning emotion into a visual and so much more challenging. And also, it's something that's coming directly out of you. Yeah. Aside from being something you're capturing, something representational, this is coming from you. So if I need to just take a break from that and do something realistic, and 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 you know that there's a clear goal. It's like. It's like cutting the grass. It's like the grass is long. Now yeah. I cut it. It's short. Yeah. I have a, I have a goal, you know, I, yeah. I make this look like this. 
And, and sometimes that gets you through that bump of like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know? Definitely. Yeah. It's like, um, it's almost a forced action thing. Like for me, I have some go-to styles that I do. If I'm not feeling inspired, sometimes I'll be like, I'll just knock one of these out. And through that process, I'm like, I rediscover why I love this. Yeah. And then it gives me ideas to do something else. Well, it's muscles, right? Yeah. It's just like working out the creative For muscle. Sure. And, and that's muscle memory. I think we were talking about like the difference between doing art full-time or part-time and I've experienced all of it. And, and, my muscles twitch different when I'm doing it full time because they're always on. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I only take a break to sleep, and and yeah. and I sometimes I have to. Like Mike, you know, came over and, and was making fun of me because like I hit midday, I need a nap. You know, it's like I'm just <laughs> brain dead. But then I wake up and I'm re-energized, and I'll stay up till one in the morning. Yeah, I think I get five hours of sleep at night, and I, I always joke that like sleeping's for people that don't have anything to think about, man. Because I got lots to think about. <laughs> oh my you god! You know, but when I got to go down, I go down. I give myself the break when I need it, and that could be at a random time during the day. Um, but but to have your brain always firing, I mean, this is a difference between sitting in front of a computer earning good money. I had a great job earning good money, but my brain wasn't firing. Exactly. Uh, you know, uh. yeah, you're free. You have that space yeah, to explore. Now, now I feel challenged. I'm problem solving. I'm, I'm digging deep emotionally. I feel like I'm growing. I feel like I'm progressing. That's what I want for my life. You know, I don't want the easy road necessarily. Yeah. That doesn't lead to wonderful things. Sometimes it, you know, you can pay your bills. If paying bills is important, I get it. But but if you have the opportunity to just dig in, you know, dig in. Yeah, and I hate to say it's so cliche, but this is your one life. I mean, yeah. spend it the way you want to spend it. Finite. It's finite. it's definitely finite. Um, that's awesome. Uh, so on the flip side of that, I think we talked about this a little bit, but uh, about failure almost like there's no such thing as failure, but do you have a failure that you can cite and what did you learn from it? Yeah, I mean- I have life failures, you know, as a life, I have artist failures. Um, Most of the artists, most of the artist failures have led to, to other things. Like you said, your learning process, but the one that comes to mind specifically was regarding my solo show. And, um, and I had this piece, man. And, and I was convinced that this was going to be the centerpiece of the whole show. And I was sculpting um, kind of a wire and um, plaster bust and I had metal sculpted a big cross on its back. And I had written across the entire thing was, um, Father, forgive me, Father, forgive me, Father, forgive me. Like all kind of demonic looking, not demonic looking, but it was like, it looked like this wrapped bust and it hung from this salvaged ladder. And there was a big, there, it was just this elaborate thing that took me a very long time to concoct. Yeah. And I, and I finished it and I was like, this is going to be the centerpiece of the show. When you walk in, you're going to be shocked and awed by this piece. And, um, and Shannon came and she's like, "Mm." (laughs) I don't, I don't think you want to do that. Like reevaluate everything and look at it. And ultimately I, I, I didn't put it in the show and I didn't show it. I, I, it's, I, you know, I have pieces of it, but so to say it was a failure, I don't know. Was it thematic or was it, um, you know, it it just didn't come out the way you wanted it to. It didn't represent the body of work. It didn't look as clean. Which is important. It had a more Halloween prop feel to it, you know, where you're like, if you're doing a solo show too, you want a cohesive. Are you just trying to shock and awe or are, you know, is your message clear and yeah, is it cohesive in it? And it wasn't. And, and, and early on I tried to just show everything I've been doing, you know, I'm like, ah, this is it. Everything. And Shannon's like, dude, dial it down. Like she's been my guide. Right. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. It's It's important to have that. Yeah. You don't need that. Everything else stands on its own. 
and, and it worked out. So, it, you know, in some ways that's a failure, but I'll probably use the parts and pieces to something else. The failure is, is not understanding is, is trying to push something that didn't need to be pushed. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Not being able to be malleable at all. Like if you have something in your mind, this is what I'm going to do. Damn everything. Yeah. I'm just going to force this through. Yeah. No, you got to be able to adapt in the moment. Yeah. So it was a lesson. It was a good lesson. You know, that's cool. Um, well, that's no, that's great. Um, and it's great that you have somebody who can kind of call you on some of that stuff. She's my rock. Mags is the same way with me. Yeah. She, she's like, uh, or, but a lot of times it's like, I don't like this. She's like, it's great. Somebody will, somebody will like it. <laughs> like, okay. So it's kind of the opposite, but, um, but it's help. It's it, it, no, you, having, having a partner that understands and is supportive is huge. It's huge. And I tell this for people who have kids too, like saying yes. And like, you can do whatever you want. This is a good idea. Be creative, explore. You can always get a job, you know, doing this later, but, but having support, I, I would never be in this game if it wasn't for her and her support and her yeah. like, yes, this is important. Yes, you should go for it. Yes, I got your back. Yes. Like, no, 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 I'm very lucky and I don't take it for granted. And I work my ass off to make sure she knows that and everybody else knows that, that the main reason I'm here is because of a supportive person that saw the potential in what I'm doing. That's amazing. Yeah. And I had that but, in a different way um, with my mentor in college. He was like the first person... Um, cause my family was more like practical, you yeah, know, yeah. like, Oh, we like your stuff, but you know, I want to yeah. get a real job. Um, and this was the first guy and he was like a real painter from like 40 years. Like he studied yeah. with like, I, I don't remember if it was the Ashcan school or somebody, he was like, like really, you know, awesome. in it. Yeah. And he was the first guy to be like, he saw something in me and I ended up being his assistant for a year. And it was like, okay, here's some validation that what I'm doing is good. And then moving to LA, I didn't get that for a long time. Yeah. But I had that foundation. I was like, it helped me to kind of push through some of the dark times. Yeah. So super important to have that. If you're not exposed to it, if you're not exposed to the art world, because I, I I don't feel like I came from the art world. I'm just only accepting that I'm part of it now. Yeah. You know, like, but, you're, like you're an outsider. But, you, you know, I talk to these guys and, you know, and they've been chasing it their whole life and, and, and chasing it. Like, like I said, it's it, each and every one of them could make a million dollars tomorrow. And the next day after that, they're going to start painting again. They're start, you're just going to start doing the same thing you do. You know, exactly. you want to be able to sustain that creativity. So the goal isn't the money. The goal is sustainability. The goal is to be able to create sustainably. Right. So I try to keep that in mind for mantras and energy. And, you know, yeah. like, like my goal, I'm not trying to manifest money. I'm trying to manifest a way of life because life is finite, you know. Well, and, the irony of that and the beauty of that is you'll probably end up manifesting money as a byproduct of that. Yeah, but the money because is it's only not gonna, the, it's not the main goal. It's only going to enable me to do the other things, yeah, you know. Exactly. And, and you know, if you read like Tony Robbins and oh, yeah. different shit like that, the paper isn't really what you're after. No, and so it's really when important. it's empty when you get there. They always yeah. say that it's like once they get to, if that's what they've been focused on the whole time. Once they get there, it's like oh, this is all this is. Yeah. What, what there's nothing to fall back on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's super important. Um, and then so I'm trying to think how young I want to bring this like. It, well, whatever you choose. Yeah. Advice to your younger self. Well, it can be any age. Right. Getting into this game, uh, what would have been important for you to hear? Um, I think um, trying really hard at the self-discovery game. Like um, doing more work on the front end. So like in my teens, and my 20s, um, I thought I knew everything. I yeah. thought I knew who I was, what I was going to do. And I was cocky and um, 
it wasn't till my mid thirties, I think. And, and you know, when my relationship fell apart, my whole world kind of turned upside down. And then I started really addressing like, well, who am I and what do I want out of right. life? And, and what are the core values that I'm looking for? And, and what is my, what does my dream day look like? If I woke up, would it be surfing? Would it be arming? What, what is that? And, and just continually asking those questions. I think if I could advise my younger self, it'd be like, Hey dude, you're, you're not that. Yeah. I like, you know, you, you know, like I, I spent my younger years just partying, having a good time. Yeah. You know, we we're having a good time. And I feel like I lost some, I mean, I had a good time, but I lost some progress in this world. Like now I feel like I'm backtracking, like I'm working harder because I only figured out some of those answers in my mid thirties to forties. Like, and I only started to go for it at 40. I'm, I'm 48 now, yeah. you know? And I remember thinking, okay, if you're going to do this, you know, 40 is a good time. And now like I'm nearing the end of my forties. Did I, did I do it? Did I go for it? <laughs> like, and it, did I accomplish it or, yeah. but, but yeah, so that would be my like self-exploration um, earlier on to really, you know, be a little more humble, I think earlier on. Yeah. And to know that things are finite. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, one of the things we talked about earlier when uh, off, off mic was um, the beauty of being an artist is that you can keep discovering your whole life. You can work until you're, until you drop dead. Yeah. I, I know you can drop dead at anything, but I mean, <laughs> you can live to be a hundred and you can be still have a brush in your hand yeah. or still be out there welding or sculpting. Retirement's not an option. Not an option. Not even, not, I don't even need to utter it you yeah. know, because I know at this, what I'm doing, it's not about that. It's about lifestyle. Yeah. And again, that may be a privileged look, but I know people that aren't privileged. I know people that, you know, are constantly behind on their rent in their studio. I know people that can't paint because they don't have money to buy paint yeah. and then they get money and they're fucking stoked again. And, and those are real, if you, if you're, if you're going into this game, you know, those are real challenges. You know? And also on the flip side, there are people who are trust funders and who have limitless money and they don't do anything with it. Right. They don't create, I'm an artist, but you don't see them putting in the work, No, no, no you know? No. So yeah, that's very important. And, um, okay. So where do you see, or where do you want to be in five years with your work? What are five your goals? Years of my work. Um, you know, I'm starting to get into bigger sculptures. I'm hoping to, I, I wouldn't mind doing public work. I definitely, my goal is to do a bronze, you know, and if yeah. you know about sculpting, you don't really sculpt in bronze. You, you know, you sculpt in clay and it ends up being bronze, yes. but, but it's a costly process and you have to have a reason to get there. So, so as a sculptor, you know, I'm definitely, I'm trying to veer more towards sculpting, um, but painting is always going to be there. So just, just continually developing and obviously more sustainability, you know, mm -hmm. more bigger projects, you know, more brain moving in the right direction stuff. Um, uh, I definitely want to expand. I would like to, I would like to do um, shows outside of the United States, you for know, sure. I, I, I want to, I think that's a great, you know, my experience in Rome was just amazing. There's a whole nother art world out there. And, and some of that, like, my work being like darker on the darker side, when you look at places like Poland and um, dude, their artists are super dark. Super and so dark. like, maybe there's a world that exists that people would really vibe with what I'm doing would get more value than maybe California pop surrealism world. Yeah. that doesn't get me at all or whatever, you know? Yeah. I, I never understood the whole problem with having dark themed work in the first place. Well, it's, what do you want to hang? I, you know, I don't hang a lot of my stuff <laughs> really? no, in I'll my studio, my in my studio. I'm full of it. In my house, it's like, we started collecting other people and that's been a huge, that's uh, great. That's a really fun process. Like buy the smallest thing you can at every show. And, yeah. and Mike, it was always surprised because me and Shannon shows up like, yeah, we'll take that one. We'll take that one, you know, and oh, now that's nice. And, and I, I think Dennis that Dugan does it too. 
It's it's smart. Yeah. yeah it's it, smart. It, it's and it's cool to be surrounded by that stuff, you know. Yeah, I was the guy who had the studio apartment and my walls cuz just for practicality I had my shit all over the walls and I had like hundreds of eyeballs just staring at me at all times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 5 years, you know, I want to keep doing it, man. I want to hold on. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you will. You never know. It's a crazy world, man. <laughs> That's true, but um is there, it's weird. We, we kind of did this opposite. I almost didn't, I feel like I didn't get a chance to really describe your work. Mm. Uh, one thing that I wanted to say really quickly was yeah. there's certain things that I align with hundred percent with you, like the kind of faceless figurative, dark existential angst, but also the working with found objects. Like yeah. for me, and I know it doesn't seem like this. You do a lot more with like the sculpting and the welding and putting shit together. And I'm, I yeah, love yeah, that. Yeah. You've seen some of my assembled pieces yeah, too, yeah. but even back in the day when I was painting, I would like go in my car and I would just, drive around LA in the alleyways and I'd find like old fences and old pieces of, of, of uh, like furniture desks. Um, and I would just come home, break them down, paint on the surfaces, window screens, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love it. Not just for the sustainability, but like there's a life patina on this stuff. It's already yeah, been through something. Exactly. You're just kind of making it part of your story now, but there's already a whole dialogue with that material and how it got to your hands. You know, it's so cool. So having my space, having, when you have a little bit of space, people know you have space and they're like, Hey, do I think you, you can do this? something with this. Yeah. yeah stuff yeah. shows up at my door all the time. And I, some of it I can't awesome. refuse. Some of it's been made great pieces, you know, and sometimes I'm just waiting for that one piece to show I might up look for your scraps. If you disregard something. Just oh like. yeah. dude. Cause I do, <laughs> I do glass. I do steel and yeah. wood. Those are all things like I have a hard time working with plastics. There's a value in that because of recyclability and sustainability, but, but I'm having, I don't, I can't incorporate plastics too often, but, but steel you can grind and, and wood you can cut and burn and, and do all kinds of stuff. And, um, and, and old blown glass, like before when it's not in a mold. And it, you can find that stuff at Salvation Army all the time. Yeah. And um, so there's all these resources. There's you gems know. everywhere. It, I honestly, yeah. if, 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 except for the paint, and I could make my own pigments. I mean, I could make my own oil with pigments and stuff. You have to buy that. But yeah. as far as surfaces and material, you re- I, could, I don't have to ever buy a canvas ever again if I don't want to. I agree. Yeah. I agree. You know, and, and I find it tedious. I don't, I don't paint on canvas a lot um, yeah. unless yeah. I find one and I do, you find them all the time. A lot know? of these ones are, were like donated to me. Oh, I really? actually paint on when I, my favorite services wood. Yeah. Yeah. I just find wood or I'll go even buy it at home Depot, but I love painting on wood, especially I, found wood. I do. Uh, are you pallet knife mostly or I know? do. That's, that's oh man, I got to show you. I got to show you, you scrapers. And- I do. Yeah, I do. I barely use pallet knives. I actually, use tools more often. Okay. I'll use like uh, plaster knives. Uh, you know, the big trowel. Yeah. The trowel. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I was blanking. I use a lot of trowels. I use a lot of different kind of putty knives and, and carpentry yeah. tools. Yeah. yeah. I don't ever use brushes. brushes man. No, yeah. Fuck, fuck brushes. <laughs> but I mean, if I, I will go back to surrealism sometimes and then I'll use sure. a brush, but it's like, I sometimes I worry that like, if I don't, paint one every now and then I'm going to completely lose my ability to do it, yeah. but it comes back. Yeah. It it's comes not back. A painting. If you don't paint, Preston, I know exactly. No, but I, I love, I think of my stuff as, as almost like carpentry too. Sometimes I like the idea of assembling objects, even when I'm not assembling wood and making these real, like obvious assembled pieces. I like the idea of the structures looking like they're assembled. Like, the, like, I think that's cool. Assembled, put yeah. Together, I you think know? that's cool. Some of the new stuff you've itself. been doing with these, pointy jet and and a lot of people are picking up on that and purchasing it's been those, my right? it's been like my most like sellable stuff which i, I mean, which i didn't out. think would happen no it's like 80 percent of them so like 
we're so used to squares and rectangles on our walls. And it's like, I, I did a frame, like a, a, a an offset frame yeah. that I was like, oh, that's bitching. Like, you yeah. know, that will stand out and look unique. There, someone may want that. For know? sure. Yeah. 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 And that's, well, that's hard too. When you start kind of thinking about that side, like, oh, is this sellable? That's, yeah. a, but that's the balance Dangerous. as an artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes there are people, we were talking about people coming from different um, backgrounds. Well, some people actually need to sell their work a hundred percent to survive. So it's how do you find that balance of being able to create what you want to create, yeah. but also something that maybe I've definitely like recently, and I don't know, I, I think we talked in the critique group a little bit. I kind of spoke to the fact that I'm, I'm actually trying to bring in some different colors. Cause people are like, some of the people that I really respect are like, dude, it's not that it's dark, creepy. It's that it's dark, hued. you know, your uh, values yeah. are too dark, right? You know, you need to, for, and because I don't have a structural painting background, I was like, Oh, what if I just switch this, you know, raw umber with a fucking cerulean blue or something, you know, like, and and do the exact same painting, you know? So I'm exploring that. It's an outside, it's definitely outside influence, but I'm looking to grow. So I, I respect some, some feedback, you know? So maybe it's not to sell, but, but, but God, is it, am I seeking approval? Like I don't, I don't intentionally mean to seek approval with my art. I think you're just expanding. Yeah. Artists. I think, I think to be an artist, I mean, everybody, especially in the music world, you're always hearing about sell out, sell out, sell out, but really isn't that the definition of artists is to like explore, explore, try new things. You know, if it's just 100% to sell and it's a commodity, okay, maybe you sold out. But if it's just, if, if they both work, if something you're genuinely the one to explore and Hey, it ends up selling. Fuck it. Who cares? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's definitely something I'm exploring. That's cool. So do you have any new ones like I can check out on Instagram or or are you Uh, still working on it? There's a couple. I I think that last one I posted, it just has a little brighter colors. You know, there's a character that, that is feeling angst and feeling so still expressing that, you know, turmoil of something going on, but rather that he's in a dark place, he can be in in a bright place and still feel the same feelings. Right. Definitely. So when it stands on the wall, it, it, it could be something that, that doesn't, it doesn't evoke, evoke the demons. <laughs> yeah, evoke the demons. I, like. I also like your ones that have the combination of actual paintings and oh, sculpture. Dude. So piece. I'll show you one on my phone in a second. Oh yeah. This is the newest one. So part of that is that influence in Rome, right? So yeah. you would go to a church and we'd be told how Bernini like sculpted this figure for this spot because of the sun coming from that window and this is the painting that he knew that was going to be behind it. Oh, and this wow. is the architecture. Like they decide everything. This is right where it's going to be for the rest of its life. It's almost like an interior and, designer and painter and, and sculptor. The whole all narrative. Yeah they, yeah. they blend painting, architecture, sculpture into a little narrative. So yeah. I, like I'm trying to figure out how I can get there um, with what I do. Yeah. And, and, and it's a little tricky, but I learned a lot from I think Chris that reads though. too. Yeah. yeah. So I'm working on this shrine right now where I have like, a painting. And here's the problem, though, that you've seen some of my frames. My frames can oh, be yeah. a, very elaborate. And a common um, feedback is like, hey, the frame took away. The frame is so awesome that I'm not seeing the painting. It took away from the painting. And the painting's good on its own. So then you're like, oh, am I getting the most out of that painting if I distracted it with all this really bitchin' framework, you know? I think so, personally. I, to me. Mark Ryden stuff? Yeah. He's got some of the most. He works with a guy who does these handcrafted almost like there's thorns yeah. and, and um, antlers coming out of the frames and, and they're their own art piece, but together it's beautiful. I, that's how I think. I think of it like a salad bar, right? Like yeah, I yeah. like each piece, but boy, when you put that salad together and it's all, Oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> you know? So, so yeah. And, and, and again, it's just, 
it's exploring what I want to explore. Also, if it anyways. speaks to you, yeah, fuck them. Yeah. I don't know who said that. If it's your wife, I'm, I apologize. Yeah, 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 no, 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 yeah. It's it's good. It's good. So yeah, I'm definitely exploring these these little shrines and stuff. Yeah. Um, um, and and my sculpting game just like you said, kind of stepped up. So you can you can have this figurative piece with an oil painting behind it and some type of architectural wrap around it, and it creates this really unique thing yeah and i think that's too i'm trying to find something unique you know another sh- it has like another shadow on it too it kind yeah. of not only does it have does the sculpture of the shadow but it might cast a shadow in certain lights onto the p- onto the flat two-dimensional piece too yeah i love yeah. i love that that's I, awesome. me too me too i i love sculpture and uh, and i love painting and yeah why not it's like combine them it's like, perfect yeah whatever you're inspired by right well so. you don't see a lot of that either Honestly. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe there was an era where you saw more of it, but. Well, that's the thing. We were talking about just being amongst a million artists in LA. You, you got to stand out and be unique. So if I have this skill and I have this skill, yeah. they don't have to be separate, you know? And exactly. I, I've been a builder. And like we talked about, these little things contribute to the overall, you know? Yeah. I, this even goes back to like, I used to clean pools at one time in my life. Oh, wow. And I, I've got a love of fountains and building fountains. You know, I went to the Trevi Fountain in Rome and you're like, Holy shit, this is it, man. Look at that. The sculptures are just insane. And and the presence in that you feel is like, yeah, that's I'm gonna go back and do that, you know. Oh my god. So that I I you would love get some to do great commissions for homes. I mean, who's like doing that, that now? Like you can get standard, you know, stuff. No, I mean no artists. The the little the little boy peeing in the fountain. You know, I can get that, nice. but what if I do my style on an outdoor fountain that you know really kicks? Oh, that you would know? be awesome. It could be fun. You know? I could see, yeah, I could see that. It's exploring, you know. I mean, I tried for a while. I, I, I partnered up and did like wedding dress painting, and it was like it was my wow. style, just on dresses. And we did a couple. We sold a couple, and it was fun. I mean, it's not something that like yeah. I'm going to do for a living, but trying. Are you passionate things. about wedding dresses? No, there's the missing element. I'm not. That's I'm the not. missing element. But right? I was passionate about the painting that I was doing on them. Of course. The problem was the of functionality. Course. Sometimes was a little difficult, like the. The texture when the dress Cracking. moved, it would crack. So you'd have to do these. I'd have to find these fabric mediums that I could mix in, and then you have to iron it. And some of them hold up, some of them don't. Oh, wow. It's a pain in the ass, but the ones that I that I did, I'm proud of. So I don't know. That's cool. That's we'll see. Cool. Just yeah. trying different shit, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um. But okay. Well, we could talk for yeah. hours, well, but let's do we'll a do part two. We'll do a part two. Um. Yeah. I want to ask you really quickly before we tell people where to find you. Yeah. Um. Is there anything else you wanted to quickly? leave people with or is there anything we you feel like we left yeah, out no we're You're like <laughs> that was i want a nap <laughs> yeah it's nap time jesus you, nap you hit time. me yeah yeah okay no, cool, we're man. good we're good so where can people find you then so mainly instagram is what i feed the most and it's scott meskel designs yes. um and i did designs because it was at this broad time if you look back i was making furniture and art and it was like all oh, over the place right. So I just left it Scott Meskel Designs. I've been thinking about rebranding it because I'm doing painting and sculpting. It's so hard to rebrand. I know, I know. Yeah. But but so Scott Meskel Designs. On but also Instagram. there's a design aspect to any kind of artwork. So it works. Yeah. 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 Scott Meskel Designs. And then um, do you have... You have a website. Is it- yeah, I got Facebook, I got Instagram, and I, I have a web page. I don't feed it as much. Okay, yeah. Because it's like this new age. That All you need is Instagram. Social media. It's like, if I'm just doing research on artists, I hit that social media. How often are you active and what are you doing? You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I really still like Instagram, even though I think Facebook, I'm kind of ready to defunctly void even though it's the same i get it yeah they're yeah but it, I, I don't i hardly ever go on there anymore i just it's have, like a dumping ground for yeah. like art finder satchi all these things like i just yeah. promote it on there and it's like, yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you know just in case yeah but um but i also like instagram because it's like i know we're talking about a critique group but instagram is kind of like it has a 
good positive feel to me. It's not like Twitter where you can get some real trolls on there. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you can share your work and it'll be accepted. I'm so inspired by the work I see on Instagram. I'm like, oh, "Oh, my God, you know. It's great. No, I love it. Yeah. So Um, so that's where you can find me, man. Cool. And uh, yeah, check out Scott's work. It's awesome. Um, Great sculpture, great um, figurative work, and um, a nice blend of the two. Craftsman-like. It's great. Um, Well, cool, man. Um, I think that's it. Awesome. If you're good, I'm good. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. All right, talk soon, man. This has been the Living Artist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I just want you to know that I appreciate you being here, and I'm grateful to be in your ears. Your art and creative life on this planet is meaningful, so thank you for sharing it with me. If you like this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also leave me a positive review to show your support. This helps me to reach more people with the algorithmic magic and keep the show going strong. If you want to see more of what I do and check out the art that I create, you can visit my website at www.pmsartwork.com or follow me on social media everywhere at PMS Artwork. That's it for now. See you back here next time.